0: Hey everyone, welcome to Horror Haven Podcast. I'm Dylan. I'm Erica. What's up, I'm Steve. I'm Larry. And today we are doing a two-part crossover episode with our good friend Larry from Creature Features Podcast. We're going to be covering Day of the Dead on our show. And then if you finish this episode, head over to his show where we're going to be covering Day of the Dead Bloodlines. So, enjoy. First came the night
1: then came the dawn now comes the most eagerly awaited day in horror film history george a romero's day of the dead
2: we've been punished by the creator We visited a curse hello is anyone there
1: for the few remaining their only hope of survival is to find a cure
2: you're wasting time trying to define what's happening.
3: But the
1: odds are against them.
3: We're in the minority now. Something like 400,000 to one by my calculations.
1: And so is Captain Rhodes.
0: Anybody else have any questions about the way things are going to run
2: around here from now on?
1: Their one chance
0: is Bob's. It's working on
3: instinct. A deep dark primordial instinct.
1: But their time is running out.
3: They can be fooled, don't you see? They can be tricked into being good little girls and boys, same way we were tricked into it, on promise of some reward to come.
1: But when the tricks wouldn't work, they're learning.
0: They're actually learning.
2: Their world fell apart.
0: Day of the Dead was released in 1985. It was written and directed by George A. Romero. It is the third movie in a three-part—well, I shouldn't say three-part. It is the third movie in the Of the Dead series after Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. Um, The plot for it, a small group of military officers and scientists dwell in an underground bunker as the world above is overrun by zombies. So... That, I feel like there's a lot more going on than that plot summary, Erica. That,
2: no, that's a pretty spot-on
0: assessment.
3: I was I was trying to be vague and not go right to the fucking ending, like that dick that gave us the when I did Larry's show. He just basically was like, "So this is the fucking end."
2: Yeah, this is what happens, and this is what happens. I, I love IMDb uh, synopsises, by the way. If you guys have ever heard Creature Features, it's one of my favorite parts is reading the synopsises and and hearing specifically the ones from Brazil. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> whenever <somebody laughs> comes from Brazil, those fucking things are lit, dude, because they're they're just they're just prime for ridicule. Uh, but that one was good. I have I, a question, Eric. You, you a fair assessment of what you're getting? At. <laughs>
0: You put these notes down and you wrote Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the
3: Dead, Shaun of the Dead. I was just letting you know that I feel like that is also an equally good movie, Dylan. I also put No Boobs with a sad face in my notes, so if you want to get analytical in my notes...
2: <laughs> it does say No Boobs. <laughs> there, there, there are No Boobs, but I think that that has something to do with the fact that Lori Cardill is uh, Chilly Willy Bill Cardilly's daughter. <laughs> and... He was friends with Ribeiro. She was like, you know, almost like an uncle-niece kind of thing going on with the two of them. So, probably why there's no boobs in the movie. Yeah,
3: there was no boobs <laughs> in Laurie's... general. I just thought that was a fun fact, and I thought that I would write down that there was no boobs. Talk. Didn't Laurie's
2: dad uh,
1: do, what was it, uh, Chiller Theater?
2: Yes. He did uh, Chiller Theater, which was uh, a show in Pittsburgh. Where he did, you know, he played horror films and he was the host. Yeah, it
1: was like the hand with the six fingers, right? Am I right? Yeah. Is that it? I believe so. Fuck yeah, dude. God, I vaguely remember that as a kid. Like, it would come on randomly in the 90s and then after that, like, I want to say after 99, it, like, stopped or, like, maybe 2000.
2: He was also the reporter in Night of the Living Dead. Oh, uh, shit. The okay. The sheriff. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Uh, yeah. That was her dad who interviewed that guy. Uh, nice. And you know, had a a fair part in that film. He's he's in it quite a bit. And you know, if you look at these films, if you look at Night, Dawn, and Day, um, I, I love that we're talking about this one because this is hands down my favorite of the Romero zombie films. A lot of people say it's Dawn for them, uh, but for my for my own money, I felt like the the commercialism idea of Dawn hits you over the head kind of redundantly as you're watching it. And and it it almost takes away what they're trying to say, where this one is very, I, 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 I'm kind of hard pressed to say subtle because I I feel that there are certain points where it's absolutely not subtle, but comparatively between the two films, this is a, a thousand times more subtle than Dawn of the Dead.
0: Yeah, this is actually, this was my first time watching Day of the Dead, and the reason being is, um, I mean, I've seen Night of the Living Dead, I've seen Dawn of the Dead, and back when Land of the Dead came out in 2005, I think, I saw that and I wasn't really that big of a fan of it, so I kind of always just, like, put this movie off, I, I didn't really look too much into it, Um Going and watching it now, I'm kind of like hitting myself over the head over it because I fucking loved it. I thought it was great. I actually yeah, watched.
2: Kind
0: of I actually watched Bloodlines first oh. be- because I knew I knew that uh, <laughs> I knew that if I watched this one first and then watched Bloodlines, the entire time I was watching Bloodlines, I'd just be comparing it to the original. I'm gonna be like so super angry. I wanted to go in with an open mind in Bloodlines. So that being said. Watching Bloodlines first did not help. I still did not like Bloodlines.
2: <laughs> it's kind of like biting your ear or getting your ear bit when you lose your virginity. I would assume. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, I'm I'm so distracted by the pain of this that that this makes this much easier. <laughs> I, I can only assume. Yeah. But so... yeah, no, dude. Like this uh, to me, this is Romero's best film, short of like Martin. Or I don't know if he, any of you guys have seen Night Riders, but if you haven't, fucking see Night Riders. Um, you know, but uh, I mean, it, of his zombie films, this is his best.
0: See, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Dawn of the Dead, which is another reason why I think I've always put off Day of the Dead because mm-hmm. I fucking love Night of the Living Dead. I love Dawn of the Dead, so like I,
2: you I didn't want it you're to be get
0: ruined. A three for a package. Yeah, I didn't want it to be ruined. I know how trilogies go. So. <laughs>
2: But... And I mean, if you think about it like this, though, um, the, the the makeup effects of Tom Savini oh, yeah. on on this film, uh, as as opposed to Dawn of the Dead, while you know there are things that he does in Dawn of the Dead that are exceptional, the the, the head being shot, you know, that that exploding head moment, uh, which he then perfected in Maniac, personal opinion, um, and then. You know, there's also the helicopter uh, sequence in Dawn of the Dead. Uh, pretty fucking spectacular, though. You you see it coming from a mile away. If you've, you know, had the benefit of watching any kind of horror film, you know, before seeing that. <laughs> but the little boy's got a big-ass flat top, and then it's, you know... But it's still very fucking effective. Uh, this one... I am just going to say it you don't really see a lot of seams um when it comes to the special makeup effects I hate the term practical effects I think that it's it, there's there's nothing practical about what they did in this film uh, the opening sequence with the the jawless man and his tongue hanging out like that that isn't practical that's the the antithesis of practical
0: yeah.
2: it's special It's special makeup effects. And the fact that because now you can, you know, easily do something on a computer, that's more practical than makeup effects. It's just, I don't know, I hate that term. That's
3: a really good way to put it, though. I guess I never really thought of it that way. I guess it was just because it's like, that's the term, you know what I mean? So you're like, you get so used to it. But yeah, there really is nothing practical about having to spend six fucking hours making like, you know... (laughs) putting on a prosthetic nose on
0: somebody, you know. This also uh, like I believe this was one of the first movies that Greg Nicotero worked on too. And mm-hmm. um he he played Johnson.
3: <laughs> Here we go. Lynn Johnson again. <laughs> he played Johnson,
0: but uh he also assisted Tom Savini with the effects and like that the fucking effects in this movie were amazing like that that scene that you had brought up Larry was great but I mean any scene towards the end of the movie where the fucking one guy gets his head ripped off um when um Captain Rhodes gets like his fucking legs ripped off like it the looks hole, so yeah. fucking good <laughs>
1: yeah, really starts... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really starts going a balls to the wall at the end because like I feel like um throughout the movie there's not like too much zombie activity, whereas we got in, like, maybe Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead, but damn, is that fucking payoff well worth it in, like, the last 25 minutes. Like, I feel like everything is just built on tension, and you really feel like you're you're stuck in that bunker with them, because it was just so tense. Like, I've seen the movie once as a kid, and I don't think I got to, like, fully grasp the tension going on between the characters, and just the development throughout the whole movie, but this second t- this was a second watch, and It really sunk in, and I just think, like I said, you know, once uh, the zombies got down into the bunker, like shit was just fucking nuts after that point. I feel like uh, Tom Savini just had a field day.
0: What I one thing I I realized from this movie, and it's kind of weird thinking about it, but the whole time I was watching it, I got this feeling of like hopelessness. Like there was no no fucking hope, and it it's weird because the whole movie, like it. Focuses on this like almost feeling of hope, I guess, because like you have uh, Doctor Logan, who's like, oh, you know, we can teach these zombies to be good, and that we can reteach them to live or whatever. And you have all these people just trying to be hopeful, I guess, that there's mm-hmm. more to what they're living. But I, I don't know, the whole fucking movie, I was just like, I felt really down. The whole time I was it's, watching it. It's different. Like I
3: like we've talked about like how I like the, the whole anxiety. And I love movies that have that, that mm. really like mess with your emotions. But this was like this was really different. And I don't know if it's because it's like it's a zombie movie and you know you're kind of like as as amazing as it is, it's still one of those things that I just like you're kind of like desensitized to now. Yeah. But I it it still had the ability to to kind of keep you on edge and it's not just like a here and there thing like it's really like you're you're really on edge and you you're feeling that anxiety kind of like throughout the whole movie mm. and i i think that it it did that like i think they did that really well and it was i don't know it's just it's it's weird for me because i guess i'm so used to like like newer movies newer movies have that whole like other than the fucking jump scares but they a lot of them are more like anxiety written because they're, they're more suspenseful. They're more of like a, a thriller based horror. And this is as, as much as Larry hates the word, like it's, it's got all the, the practical effects to it. And it's, it's awesome to see that and still get that same like horrified feeling or that, that terror feeling or anxiety or whatever you feel like you're getting watching it that you get from a jump scare mm-hmm. without it being a jump scare. And it's, it's just, I don't know. I thought it was done really well.
2: Well, uh, if I can, uh, to me, the strength of this film isn't necessarily the zombies. And I think it was Steven that had pointed out that you don't really get a lot of zombie action from beginning to end that there's, you know, a little bit in the beginning and a little bit at the end well, kind of like a major orgasm of zombie at the end. But you know, ostensibly throughout the film it's the interpersonal connections between these people that are essentially the last vestiges of humanity uh trying to reach out to other people, hopefully with any hope uh to connect with someone anyone to you know hope that this isn't the end of everything, and that the 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 fear the thing that the thing that really drives home. Is that fear of martial law, and throughout the course of his career, George Romero has always had his finger on the on the pulse of um, the subconscious fear, and it's always been a fear of authority, an authoritarian fear. If you look at films like The Crazies or even Dawn of the Dead, you know there's this this fear of The structural system and the authority that runs that structural system. If you look at the scene in Dawn of the Dead in the beginning, when they're trying to finger quote, save people in that apartment building, it ends up becoming a mass murdering spree by the people that are sent in there to save people. Mm -hmm. And that that happens throughout the course of his career and if you watch the latter dead films um i believe it's document of the dead there there's a very real kind of scary moment in document of the dead where they're all on this bus and the military comes in and the cameras go off because the military is you know going to have their way and even in like Land of the Dead, which I you had mentioned, Dylan, that you didn't really get into, there's there's still that idea of you know power and um, you know class system. That's that's mm-hmm. essentially what uh, Land of the Dead is about. is the, is about the the division of uh, class. Well,
0: that was originally and... uh, George A. Romero's plan for this movie was he wanted to have it where there was a society above ground that was protected by electric fences and stuff, and then have the military living underground where they were more safe. But I think it was budget restrictions had made it so that he couldn't do that. So he went with this idea. Which... Yeah, it was a
2: much more elaborate plan that, and I, I actually had had Joe Pilato who played Rhodes um, on the show very, very early on. And he had mentioned that he was very like excited for his character in the original script, and then when he gets on to set, because the budget was cut drastically mm-hmm. by the the powers that be, Romero had to weed it down to just the core of what he was trying to say. And you know the core of what he was trying to say is that you know you have to you have to inhabit this world. And if you can't find a cure, you have to be able to find out how to live with these things, and and that being a bigger story for, you know, the uh, throughout the films, there's there's always this this struggle between, between you know these two different opposing sides. It's the the downstairs and the upstairs in Night of the Living Dead. You know, it's the marauders and the people holding on to the mall in Dawn of the Dead, and in this one it's the military versus the scientists. You know, and, and it's just a war of ideologies. And, and the the point that he's making is that the people that you should be most afraid of aren't the mindless zombies at the gate. But it's the people the around you. People around you with the guns that, you know, at, at one point Rhodes essentially says, you know, you should be grateful that I'm not letting you know, everybody have a turn with you. <laughs> like, it's intimating that he could easily just decide that, you know, Laurie Cardillas character could just get raped a bunch. <laughs> and, and that could just be her life. So, you know, he could keep people from going crazy. It's kind of like what they did in 28 Days Later. Um,
0: yeah, I was getting a, a big vibe from... This movie of that too, with the whole military standpoint and uh, like that point you just brought, because that's basically what they did in twenty eight days. Later. And the zombies
2: was, on the chains, yeah. There's there's a lot of references to dawn and day in twenty eight days later, mm-hmm. um, but it, you know, ideally, I think, or the biggest idea to take away from this is that it's the ideology that it's a war. And that's the bigger story, you know. Everybody's aware of the zombies now. You know, everybody's aware that they move slow because they're dead. They, they, zombies don't run. It, it was, it was his motto that he lived by until the day that he died. Zombies do not run, and I fucking completely agree. And we'll get into that in the next episode.
1: <laughs> oh yeah.
2: Now Rod Rhodes was the perfect villain. Like, he
1: seriously wanted to see him get it so bad but you couldn't it hel- I, at least i couldn't help admire how well of a bad guy that he played and going back to what you were saying larry about like the war he says it repeatedly throughout the film like this is a war we're fighting and i don't give a fuck you know i'll do whatever to stay alive and keep my men alive and it's just crazy the the risks and like the the turn of like the people you're trying to survive with that he would take just to get his point across. Like, the, the, the scene where he pulls out the gun and tells, uh, I believe it's Steel, to shoot Sarah, like, that was intense as shit.
2: Mm-hmm. And then he
1: pulled the gun on Steel It was like, if you don't fucking do it, I'm gonna do it. I was like, god damn, this guy is an asshole.
2: But well, I can't was... help
1: but admire
0: him. That, that's what no, he, he that's... said. If you
2: don't shoot her, I'll shoot you. Oh,
0: yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. That's what's interesting, too, is watching this movie at that whole standoff, um, you know... Going back to what you had said, Larry, about how it's the people that are more terrifying than the zombies, I mean, the whole part where. Uh, what was the pilot's name? Uh,
2: not Billy. Uh, fucking. Uh, was it, it
0: wasn't Ben. John. Was John. No, Ben was. Yeah, okay. John, yeah. Uh, when they're holding the gun to John, and, you know, they're like, oh, they, they fucking trap um, Sarah and everybody that whole scene <laughs> i'm getting fucking way ahead of myself is that when they're trying is... to save miguel
1: when he's got his arm bit is that by the trailer no no no, no. when
0: when he basically shuts uh sarah and the other fucking guy in the mines and he's telling john that uh you know, you're going to get us out of here, you're going to fly us, and the fucking oh, okay, and the soldier okay. starts yeah, being... Yeah. Like, that part had me on edge so much more than any zombie part in this. And on top of that, once the zombies get set on these soldiers, you're, like, cheering them on, basically. You're like, yes, fucking destroy them. And, yeah, absolutely. like, when, like, I fuck, like, I cannot express how much I love bub chasing Rhodes with the fucking gun and then he like shoots him and then salutes him i fucking love so fucking much (laughs) because it's just it's romero tied everything together so fucking well i mean he showed bub with the gun earlier on showed that he's able to use the gun he has sarah drop her gun in the lab Bub gets loose, finds the gun. Like everything was just put together so perfectly to work out, and I fucking love any time that happens because it's just good writing to me.
2: And uh, Logan uh, or Doctor Frankenstein and his monster—if you—if you really think about it, uh, that relationship really works, especially because you know he named he named him after his dad. You know, and then he's the one who takes on kind of a father figure mm-hmm. role for Bub. And then when you know, he's fucking shot to shit by Rhodes, which I just, I loved that moment. Yeah. Um, because, you know, those are my men in there! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, very few people pull off in tents like Joe Pilato. And And he's, he is that guy, like being able, I would tell you stories off air about how intense Joe Pilato is, but I don't even think you need to know it. Um, (laughs) You could see it. It's tangible. He is, he is operating and firing at all cylinders throughout this fucking movie. And in that moment, you know, when he fucking loses his shit, it just, it never goes back. And even when he's, you know, being hunted by Bub and he's getting shot and he's dragging himself and he's just, you bus fuck, (laughs) like he just, he's, he's just the saltiest dude in the world. And, you know, where Steel, who's kind of a chucklehead, you know, he gets to a certain point, you know, after he'd already been bit and he's, you know capping all these fucking zombies he gets down he does a little prayer before he blows his brains out fucking love that fucking moment because it it shows that in his dying moments he has humanity where the reflection of that with Rhodes is to the very fucking last breath he's screaming choke on him He he does not give a fuck he gives less than a fuck he will fucking give it all until it is all gone. He, he's, you know, he's the kind of guy that would fall off a building flipping you off. Like, <laughs> buy it, and it fucking works. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I get a little passionate about this movie. Cause you know what's funny, gonna...
1: though? Steel, um, the uh, the actor that I played a steel, I heard he wanted to change, like, to have him, like, praying. Be right before he died to show, like, a little bit of humanity in his character. Like, that was, like, kind of his choice, and he brought it up to George Romero, and George Romero was like, all right, yeah, let's go with it.
2: Yeah, and Gary Clark is an amazing dude. I've I've had some conversations with him as well, and this isn't the Larry's gonna fucking name drop everybody that he's talking <laughs> to. So, of this film, I've talked to three people that worked on it. Uh, but he he... I don't know if you guys have ever... Um, looked into his story but he has an amazing story Uh, he found out late into his life like he'd already had kids and everything that his parents had adopted him and that his actual birth parents had a shit ton of kids and they were all adopted out to people in his neighborhood he was in a relationship unbeknownst to him with one of his sisters like it's wow. it's fucking crazy like if, if you are have any interest in the actor who played steel like at all which you should because he's a terrific human being go out of your way and fucking look up gary Clark because his story is one of the most unique and amazing stories i've ever fucking heard um and I, I got to talk to him about it. Not, not like, on a show. Um, like, we corresponded just via phone call and talked for, like, two hours. Just had a conversation. And um, it, it's legit one of the most unique fucking stories that I've ever fucking heard. Uh, another fun story about Gary Clark is after that conversation, he sent me his book that he wrote about his life. And, um, you know... In conversation, I had told him about my sons, and he sent them each an autographed eight by ten of himself, and uh, he sent to my then youngest son a uh, picture of him, you know, with the gun and everything, and it says, bang, you're dead, and my son, Nice. my son said, why does he want to kill me, dad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's an amazing human being. Like, straight up, one of... one of I've I've talked to a shit ton of actors, actresses, filmmakers. He's the most genuine, unique, and sweetest human beings I've ever spoken to in my entire life. And I can say that without any doubt in my mind. I feel
0: like it's always, that... like, an ongoing thing where, like, the people who played dicks, dicks in movies are, are like, suitable. the nicest guys, yeah.
2: <laughs> Not necessarily. Like I said, I also <laughs> spoke to Rhodes. <laughs> but... Again, that's a story for not on the air. Yeah.
0: (laughs) But, um, no, I mean, back back to, like, the overall theme of the movie. The theme of the movie, um, I know that you had touched a little bit before, Larry, on the fact that, uh, Dawn of the Dead had this, like, underlying theme of commercialism. Mm -hmm. Um, this movie, the theme that Romero was going for was lack of communication. Communication was the theme of the movie. And it was supposed to show how lack of communication could destroy not just a big society or the world, but even this little... Like on smaller under, scale, yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think you were right before, Larry, in saying that it was a lot more subtle in this movie than it was in Dawn of the Dead. I think, you know what, though, that,
3: like, one of the things that I like, and, and it's not just this movie, it's, like, it's a lot of, uh, a lot of different ones, but... When you can like, when you can watch movies, and maybe it's just because all of us watch so many of them and we, we talk about them so much, but movies that have like deeper meanings than, than just what's on the surface. And, and I think, like you said, with, with these, you, you do get that. Like there, there's a lot of stuff that you can really pull for, pull from them. Um, and I, I think that that's, that that's what makes them so unique for one. And two, why, why they're such awesome films. It's because mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah, you can go in and you can watch them and you can take them at face value and you're like, oh, this is an awesome movie. Like, I really like it. But, you know, you watch it a couple times and you start really delving into it and getting down to to these these underlining tones and you're like, wow, like, I, I guess you, you, don't, you don't expect it. So I think yeah. that's what makes it so awesome is that you're not expecting it, but here it is. And it's... It's not necessarily in your face, but it's it's there. And I think that, again, that just goes back and it, it just shows how, how unique they are. And I, I don't know. I like stuff like that. I, I like things that have, like, deeper meanings or, like, hidden meanings that you don't necessarily get right off the bat. And I, I, I those are the things that are intriguing to me. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think Romero really mastered that art. Like, I, again, Larry, like you had said, with things like the crazies. Mm-hmm. Like, all, all of his movies... They really do have this, like... Something deeper underlying
2: in the movie. Fun fact about The Crazies and this film. uh, Richard Liberty, who played Logan, a.k.a. Frankenstein, was also in The Crazies. He played Artie, um, who was... I don't know if you guys have seen The Crazies, but uh, he has a moment that's very peculiar with his daughter. um, Which... I, that's that's literally all I'm gonna say about it. But it's, I, I it's haven't watched really it in a fucking long weird.
0: fucking time. It's been a long time since I've watched the Crazies. <laughs> so I think I've only seen it. the remake. Yeah, we're doing it coming really
2: soon.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've only seen the remake.
1: Believe it or not, I've seen in the, the remake is
2: actually solid. Yeah, the original is it, like if you love Dawn of the Dead, you should see the Crazies because mm. it is. It's like um, you know how comedians do open mic night, yeah. where they they work on the routine before they take it. You know, to the big show. That's kind of what the Crazies is for Dawn of the Dead. Okay, I would say that that's a very good analogy for that film. Yeah, it's it's really fucking solid though. And um, the actor who uh, in Dawn of the Dead is they must be destroyed on sight with the yeah yeah eye patch. He's (laughs) in it and he's fucking awesome in it. So um, yes, definitely watch the Crazies. It's it's fucking winner. I am a bit of a Romero fan, <laughs> just, just <laughs> all
0: good. <laughs> he's, uh, before he's we the man, before we wrap it up and get into ratings and stuff, there's one more thing that I want to bring up. I don't, if you guys want to bring anything else up too, <laughs> for sure. But uh, one specific thing that I want to bring up that really made this movie stand out to me was the setting of the movie. Um, and I think that it added for me, like I had said before, how I had this feeling of like hopelessness through the whole thing. The fact that the whole movie took place underground in this old mine. And they it was filmed just, it underground too. Yeah, right? they actually filmed it in an old um mine that was being used as like an underground storage. Yes, place. underground storage. It's a li- it was like a lime. I think they mined lime from it. Yeah. It, it's it in Pennsylvania, place. so they could have mined any weird shit. Yeah. <laughs> um it, it really added to the the feeling I got from the movie and it added to just the tone of the movie. It felt very dark and dreary and just I mean, uh, the part where Rhodes makes sarah and um i keep forgetting the other fucking guy's name but he like sets them in the mines where all the part where all the zombies are you kind of get this feeling like fuck there's like nowhere to go and maybe it's just because like we grew up around caves and stuff. yeah we grew up, you don't know so where like, they go you don't yeah. know if they're going deeper in you don't know if they're fucking going out you don't like, yeah. caves and mines are fucking terrifying i can tell you from first-hand experience <laughs> so if i got let loose in a fucking mine shaft that was filled with zombies yeah fuck Shit's that. <laughs> But that's, that...
3: It's I, disorienting, too, because, like, you don't really... There's no windows or anything, so you don't exactly. have a, a clear, like, conscious of what time... Like, any sort of time. Exactly. You don't know if it's day or night, and, like, you know, if all you have is just, like, a regular, like, wall clock. Three o'clock, you don't know if it's three in the afternoon, three in the morning.
2: hmm
3: right. that. Oh, yeah. uh, one more thing
1: I just want to add before we jump into ratings is the connection between John, Sarah, and, uh... What's his name who's
2: always hitting the flask? I just Miller, I believe his name is.
0: Okay, Miller? That's where, right. that's where I kept forgetting the fucking name of it. Miller. I love yeah. how he was, like, oh, he's always gosh. hitting the flask,
3: and he's like, Miller, and all yeah. I thought of was a Miller Lite. I, I absolutely love
1: the standoff between them and Rhodes and Steel and the other one, Um, and <laughs> John's like, we're getting pretty uh used to pointing guns at each other, you know, this and that, and it's just, it's such a divide, but it's literally, like, I get this feeling that Sarah, John, and, and uh, Miller are, like, the three amigos, you know, towards, like, the second half. Like, they're really... You know, because at first, it's, like, John and uh, Miller just don't give a fuck about anything. You know, and they're just kind of keep to themselves, whereas, like, John really just wants to be in paradise, and I could totally relate in that situation. You know, he's trying to keep, a, like, a level head with all the crazy going on, and Miller's, like, more of, like, ah, fuck it, I'm just gonna get drunk. But, like, towards the end, I love to see them come together and try to get out together, you know? Like, you just really root for them the whole way, especially, like, when <clears throat> they're in the mines fighting through all the zombies, and at one point a zombie grabs Miller's leg, I was literally at the edge of my fucking seat. I was like, dude, please don't let this be a repeat of Dawn of the Dead. And when, uh, what's his name, uh gets through the truck window and he gets bit, I was like, fucking so nervous. Roger, there you go. I was getting so nervous. I was like, fuck, 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 please no. You Roger, know, get just, his head up, man. Yeah, yeah, man, I was like, <laughs> fuck, please no. But I seriously love the connection between those characters. It I just think it had um, a wholesome feel, you
0: know. I think adding to that too, Stephen. Uh, there's a a certain part that if I were to summarize every single thing I've said about this movie into one part, it would be the part where Miller, John, and Sarah are all talking, and John says, "This place is a giant tombstone," and nobody yeah, ca- nobody cares that's over here. So the whole, the fucking feeling of hopelessness that I had for the whole movie. The the love that I had yeah. The, yeah, the love that I had for the setting, like everything that I could say about this movie could be summarized in that, that one scene. Yep. and yeah. like yeah, that line: "This place is just a
2: fourteen-mile tomb." Holy yeah.
1: shit! Yeah, that was one hell of a line.
2: I, I would also say that the scene where they're inside of their created paradise, and he, oh, I love it. You know, <laughs> the, she she's trying to give them shit about you know, not involving themselves. And he's like, the fucking world is over, dude. I'm going to enjoy this. You know, if it were up to me, I would just have a bunch of babies and try to repopulate and do it better the next time. And, and that's the fucking mentality that is the one that survives because the ones that are so preoccupied with fighting amongst each other over being right are the ones that all died. Yeah, you know, you think about it again. Uh, you're you're talking again, just like in uh, the original night. You know, everybody that was so preoccupied with fighting for the top and the bottom, fucking died because they couldn't come together. That's that is a overlying theme in all of these films. That the the ones that work together survive, and the ones that fight amongst each other die. And uh, before we get out of here, I just I feel like. We'd be doing this film a disservice if we didn't just say, fuck that Jamaican accent, though. Terry Alexander made a fucking choice. Get to boy. It's a dead case. Like all the others, you know. I actually
0: read that uh, that Tony Todd tried out for that part.
2: Oh, I'm and... so glad he didn't get it. <laughs> Terry Alexander fucking crushes this movie. Yeah. And Absolutely. Tony Todd. Crushes Night of the Living Dead nineteen ninety.
0: Yeah,
2: like I, I, I could not have thought of a better person to play the lead in Night of the Living Dead nineteen ninety than Tony Todd. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he was mature enough in eighty five to have done this role any service. And it would have been just to kind of, oh shit, Tony Todd's right there, yeah. and that would have been it.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that uh, I think that Alexander was a good, like the perfect fucking choice. I think all the casting was really done well. I mean, with like we've said, fucking Joe Pilato Like I, I couldn't think. He would be the think...
2: best. Two is a winner to me.
0: Yeah, I, I, I mean the cast it. was the cast was fucking great. Let's get into ratings.
2: Yeah, <laughs> sounds good.
0: Steven, you go first. All right. Yeah. Uh, so again,
1: only a second time watch for me. I've watched Night of the Living Dead. Countless times, Dawn of the Dead, countless times, but this one only twice now, and let me say, I'm so happy, like, we covered this, because I've always overlooked this one, I feel like, and now I finally can say that this is amazing, and, you know, like you said earlier, Dylan, sometimes trilogies have a bad rap, but this one fucking shines with the rest of them. I'm giving this one a nine, like, the characters, you could really hold on and relate to some of them, and they're just really fleshed out, and... The tension in the movie, it sticks with you the whole time. So definitely a nine for me.
0: Okay. Erica, you wanna go?
3: I suppose. <laughs> um I liked it. I, I liked it a lot. I liked it more than I thought I was going to. I'm not gonna lie. I liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to. <laughs> um and I I don't know. It's just it's it's definitely a solid movie as far as I, I just I'm really burnt out on zombie movies, guys. I'm sorry. I'm just, I am so fucking burnt out on them. But this was a, this was a breath of fresh air. It was. And it was, it's just a solid movie. It was done extremely well. And the, the underlining tones to it are, are awesome. And I think they, they really speak volumes and on a real level. Um, I'm going to give this, I'm going to come in with like a strong six. No, I'm just fucking with you. No, oh, I'm kidding. fuck. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I think this deserves... I'm going to go with a 7.5. Okay. Larry, what you I got? wouldn't have given this movie a 6. I was just trolling. <laughs> I'm sorry.
2: It broke my heart, Kuhau.
3: I was kidding. I didn't give it
2: a 6. <sighs> Larry, this is a, got... ten, a this is a 10, you guys. <laughs> this is a 10. This is easily George Romero's best zombie film. On every level, story, gore, fucking entertainment, thrills. Larry. This is the scariest one of them all. There was no titties.
3: I took off a lot of points because there was no titties.
2: (laughs) You know, I, I usually will rate a film on titties when there isn't enough to rate it on. But there's so much in this movie that... I, I could do without titties. Like there's titties in Dawn of the Dead, and nobody even fucking notices. <laughs> nobody yeah, notices. You're
3: right. You're right. Yeah, but these this was a prime, like a perfect placement or perfect place for some cave titties, and we got nothing. Cave titties. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, this to me is George Romero's last great film, and you know, uh, I I don't even feel bad saying. Like, if he would have never made another movie after this, he'd have been A-OK in my book. Uh, Just personal opinion. This is his masterwork. This is the, the maturation of a kernel of an idea that he'd had in 1968. And 50 years after that, in 2018, I can say now I've seen all of his work, that this was his best work. This is him hitting every single mark the way that he wanted to. Uh, now, budgetary uh, wise, you don't even notice that there's a limited budget in this. You you see every single dollar that he put into this movie on the screen. You know, you open up with a helicopter scene. You don't need to use the helicopter again. It can fucking just sit there as background uh, prop. It doesn't need to be used again because it was used. Uh, I I just I cannot think of a fucking fault in this movie. Uh, there's there's one point in in the film where they the two zombies that they fucking caught underground. They you know have them chained up, and I think it's Rickles. He says, "I hope you fucking rot, fuck you!" And then they're just kind of sitting there in in the dark, and they're kind of scared. You hear the gloop play, the gloop, which was the theme from Dawn of the Dead. Oh the uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's done in a very kind of haunting way. Like, this is a perfect movie, dude. And I, I think this is the second time I've rated anything on this film, on this show, a ten. But this is a fucking ten. Uh, and I, I disagree with any other opinion. I'm sorry.
3: We do have a Sierra My... on board tonight.
2: <laughs> Shit, we do. Somebody had to step in for it. <laughs> you did good. You did good. I'm proud. Thanks. I'm wearing a blonde wig, too. <laughs> yes. Well, it's green. Wait, no. Now it's black. <laughs> now it's green again. Uh, it you probably... know what? That sounds right, right Yeah, that hair. sounds about <laughs> right. That's right up
3: there. Color.
2: <laughs> <laughs> She's so decisive when it comes to movies, but not with sure. hair. <laughs> not
3: with hair, man. She's good to go
0: with the hair. My wife's voice got a lot deeper.
2: What's up, Big D? <laughs> now I know it's not you.
0: <laughs> Alright, um, I'm gonna break Larry's heart a little bit. I'm gonna come in with a 7-9. I, I did enjoy it a lot. I thought that there was a... Did you just, like, drop the fucking mic, Larry? Maybe. I thought he
3: signed <laughs> out. He was like, fuck this. Fuck these guys. Fuck this podcast.
0: I'm going to give Bloodlines a 5. 5 Reapers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, no, but I mean, I think part of it may be what Erica said. I'm, I'm very zombied out. Um, I think if I would have watched this movie years ago, it probably would have gotten a higher rating. And I feel like it's not really fair to rate it in that way, but... It's hard not to. Yeah, it's hard not to. Um, like I said, I, while I did really enjoy this, I do... Th- like Dawn of the Dead a little bit better. <laughs> um. And that
3: was Larry signing out of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> what? I, don't know I just not... heard the disappointment in Larry. Larry's moan was disappointed. He
2: was <laughs> I'm like, not there. mad. I'm just disappointed. I'm just, I'm just oh, disappointed. damn it,
3: Dad. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's the worst thing you could say. <laughs> but, yeah. It, it wasn't my favorite, but it wasn't like it was by no means a bad movie, no, it was, not at, all. it was a very good movie. Um, and I think 7 9 is it's not a bad rating. What's the overall rating on this? It's gonna be in the
3: eights, I have a feeling, which I'm cool with. Um, so the average rating is an 8.6. I think that's fair,
2: you sons I, of bitches.
3: I know, <laughs> <laughs> you monsters. Hey, Bastards. it made it made honor roll, <laughs>
1: right. it got a B, plus. It got a B, plus. it made honor roll. That's was better grades than I ever got, so...
2: <laughs> to say that Steven rated this the highest of the three of you is so disappointing. I <laughs> swear to God, guys. Steven I rated this the same swear. as what he rated... He rated this the same as what he rated Psycho, so don't let it fool you. Steven came in with a 9, and you guys were like, meh, 7-5. He
3: came no, I, in with I... that score in one hand and your wiener in the other.
2: <laughs> uh,
3: <laughs> Steven... <laughs> Steven, we're calling you I'm out. We're calling you, you
1: out. You th- oh, you think so? Yeah? <laughs> I mean, no, did... I seriously, like I said, I've only seen this movie once as a kid. The second time, I, I really, like, you know, as a kid, you only retain, like, so yeah. much, I feel. Especially at the age of, like, seven. But, you know, to sit down and recently watch this and, like, be hooked from start to finish, like I said, I had it. I over, I will fully admit, it, I overlooked this film. Second time watching it now, I've really gained a new appreciation for it. It's a fucking great movie, so
3: fuck you. I was just busting your ass, Steven. I know, least, I know, I am <laughs> only doing it out of love. <laughs> of course. All right, Larry,
2: where can people find you? Uh, well, you can find me on geeksoftheindustry.com. I do a bunch of shows over there, but the one that you guys are probably going to be most interested in is the Creature Features podcast. It is my horror podcast. Um, every week I do at least one movie review and a lot of the times, at least within the month of February, um, I'm doing one movie review, one interview. Um, though this week, when this episode drops, there's going to be two movie reviews and two interview. Well, actually, kind of five movie reviews, because uh, one of the shows that I do... Uh, The Screaming Room, I review three independent horror films, and then I interview somebody that's involved in one of the independent horror films. That is going to be dropping this week. Um, I will have Jordan Phipps on there from Close Calls. I'm going to be reviewing uh, Close Calls, Hell's Kitty, and uh, a third film... That is, I, I'm not necessarily sure at this moment where it, sh- it is going to be, but I can tell you for a fact: Hell's Kitty, Close Calls, and an interview with Jordan Phipps as a part of the Women in Horror Month interview series. Also in the Women in Horror Month interview series, I am interviewing the director of the Slumber Party Massacre, Amy Holden Jones. It's a fantastic conversation with somebody that is operated within the genre. And within the Hollywood system for nearly four decades, and has a lot of stories to tell. Very unique mind and opinions. Um, very important conversation. I, I love the month of February, partially because it's my birthday, uh, but more importantly because I am able to, you know, speak with women in horror and focus the attention of the show towards that. Uh, The only other deviation away from Women in Horror though it isn't necessarily because the film that we're going to be talking about uh, the four of us Horror Haven Podcast and Creature Features we're going to be covering the 2017 film uh, Day of the Dead Bloodline and uh, that will be dropping the same day as this episode so when you are done listening to this go and listen to what Fucking fuckheads in the future did to George Romero's masterpiece.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Soiled it. So- <laughs> Soiled it. Soiled it.
2: Spoiler alert! They ruined it.
0: <laughs> and uh, you're you're gonna have Erica on this month too. So uh, I'm gonna have Erica
2: and Sarah on this month yeah. actually.
0: That's really and we're the most important part of this podcast.
2: And uh, this weekend, <coughs> weekend of this episode. I will be at the Silver Screams Festival in Santa Rosa, California in a interviewing capacity a, a, or a press capacity uh, interviewing people that worked in films. Uh, Rico Browning who was the uh, the swimming operator in Creature from the Black Lagoon. He was the guy in the suit underwater in Creature from the Black Lagoon. He's going to be there. Um, Kelly Maroney... Uh, D. Wallace and um, one other really fucking big name, Barbara Crampton. Uh, oh so my babe! Really fucking cool. Really fucking cool. Oh, Barbara. Uh, Crampton. That's gonna be in Santa Rosa this week. I know you guys are going to a convention. Yeah, the
0: weekend, this weekend that this as drops. As well, right? Yeah, the weekend that just this drops. Uh, we're gonna be at the Mad Monster Party in Charlotte, North Carolina. So if you guys listen to this and by any chance are there, come say hi to us.
2: You guys are going to record stuff when you're there, right?
0: Um, I'm not sure yet. Uh, we're going to go and just kind of enjoy it. And if the opportunity comes up, we might, but I really just, I need a, I need time to just immerse myself in something other than work. So I'm just going to go and just let whatever happens happen. Um, I we're going to be
2: opportunity is an opportunity to work. <laughs> I, I'm very, very old that way.
0: So. <laughs> um, yeah. But we're going in um, in May at the same place where this one's actually being held, uh, to the Day of the Dead convention. And I th- I think right now they have, like, Linda Blair lined up, Tony Todd, uh, the whole cast of Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3. three. Yeah, um, the whole cast of Return of the Living Dead, the whole cast of Friday the 13th Part 6. Part 6. Yeah, so there's... Is it
2: 6 or 8? Because I know 8 is the one that's doing a reunion tour right now.
0: No, it's 6 because they have Tom Matthews scheduled to do the Return of the Living Dead and the um, Part 6 stuff. Nice. But they they haven't announced, they still have a ton of people that they haven't announced yet. So uh, I think we'll probably go and enjoy this one a little bit and then. uh, Do work at the next one. Do work at the next (laughs) one, yeah. (laughs) And then also, if you are going to Monster Mania Con.
1: I believe it is March 10th. I will be there at the New Jersey-Cherry Hill date. Yeah, Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Uh, I'll be there on the 10th. Um, I'm excited because this is definitely my first horror con. Uh, I think as far as guests announced, I'm trying to think. Yeah, a lot of the cast from Killer Clowns from Outer
3: Space, Tim uh, That was Tim one Curry. that... Um... Tim yeah. Curry is going to be a Yep, John Carpenter. Elvira, uh, oh, I think, yeah. just got released for that.
1: Yeah, man, legendary John Carpenter.
3: Yeah, if I'm, you see I'm,
1: Steven I'm... there, go kick him in the
0: fucking shins.
1: What, oh, what, because of fucking Psycho?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <If> you <laughs> like still salty about that. If you that. like Psycho, go fuck Steven up at this show. Yo, <laughs> Steven calls him, he's
3: like, I just got fucking jumped <laughs> in the bathroom, you
0: <laughs> dickbag. Yeah. <laughs> big dude what yeah. you doing to me <laughs> it's it's going gonna,
1: gonna to be a good time this is like i said this is my first horror convention i'm going with my cousin nick who goes to a lot of horror conventions in the the northeast so uh to go with someone who's like you know been going for years it'll be a fun time i'm definitely going to be scoping out some fucking rare release of any kind of movie i can find also i think the cast of 2017s uh, it's going to be there too Oh, shit so it'll be pretty cool yeah yeah, man, it's going to be a fun time. Oh, actually, a shit ton of fucking... Uh, let me see. Who's uh, fucking... Actually, they have a lot of dudes from Friday the 13th that played as Jason coming. I think Steve Dash, uh, Kane Hodder, of course. Hell
2: yeah. Steve Dash S- is the shit.
1: Steve Graham, or CJ Graham. I don't know why I said Steve Graham. CJ Graham, yeah. Yeah, they got a, uh, a whole... Tony Todd's going to be there. Uh, Sid Haig. Yeah, it's going to be a fucking fun time. And all
0: four... or.
1: All four, all three of the Chiodos brothers are going to be there too. So it's going to be and fucking Sid awesome. Haig,
0: Sid Haig just canceled the show we're going to next weekend. Oh shit! I'm yeah. sorry, guys. Um, ours has a lot of people from the Nightmare on Elm Street series, mainly um three and four. Uh, I'm trying to think. The only uh, shit uh, hassle. Yeah, yeah, the only um, the only Jason that they have at ours is the one who played Jason in. Freddy vs. Jason, Ken...
2: Ken Kersinger.
0: Yeah, Ken Kersinger. Um, But Sierra's in fucking daydream heaven because R.A. Mi- Milohoff?
2: Milahoff, yeah.
0: Milahoff, yeah. He's gonna be there, and he's doing a photo op in, like, full Leatherface. Yes. And I was like, I'm not gonna drop the money on it. Like, we'll go <laughs> meet him... We'll go meet him at the booth and stuff, but I just got word that our income taxes are hitting right before the convention...
2: So oh, I might be buying me. a photo.
0: Of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. um, if you want to follow us, you can follow us at Horror Haven Podcast on Instagram and on Facebook or on Twitter at horror underscore haven. Uh, tune in next week. We're going to be covering Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two.
1: Freddie's mm. I can't wait to get
2: it all That's night a, long. That is a Tell fucking me, winner of a movie. Baby. And we're also oh, going to
0: be. <laughs> Uh, we're going to be dropping another episode, I'm not really sure when, but we're recording it tomorrow, so sometime within the next week, um, where we're going to be covering Goodnight Mommy and The Orphanage. So, check that out too, and I'm sure we'll probably release something for the uh, convention. So yeah. Also, be sure to
1: rate, review, and subscribe, we definitely could use some more reviews. Whatever you want to you know, leave in the review section, we don't care. If you want to leave us a bad review, fuck it.
2: You should, you should definitely write them a review and say that they should have scored this film higher.
1: <laughs> if you want to, fucking go for it. I mean, it just helps the show get noticed with, with the more reviews we got. So we'd appreciate it if you could go on Apple Podcasts for us. Have a good night.
2: Later. Good night. Peace and ass grease. Don't drop the soap. <laughs> <laughs>